Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another Morph Monday episode of Shelf Aware and Ella Mist in the Sky. Cry <laughs> echoes twice as high. <laughs> We're out of luck with this dumb fuck. He's genocidal. <laughs> I'm Em. <laughs> oh my god. I'm Anna. <laughs> <laughs> this week on Shuffle, where we are reading, discussing the last of the Chronicles books, the Animorphs series, the penultimate Animorphs books we will be covering on this podcast at all, The Elemist Chronicles by K.A. Applegate. Oh. We finally get that deep dive into the mysterious Elemist. And I got to tell you guys, if you have this book on Kindle, if you have the Kindle version of this, um, or even I guess some of the paperback versions, the cover had me dying. This little, this little like man. Professor Flitwick, I don't know, like house elf with a beard situation going on. He's beautiful. Look at his hair. He's so tiny and so majestic. And I'm so confused as to what this is supposed to depict after having read the book. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, nobody. nobody <laughs> looks like this. They just in the drew this book. generic fantasy art. No one looks like this in the book. Who is this? Who is this man? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, this the the person in the book, the Elemist, has wings and like claws, like a bird. Four eyes. Yeah. But this just looks like a beautiful goblin. It looks very like seventies, eighties, right? Mm. Like it doesn't look like art done in 2000 he also does and i know i already told you this but his waist is so snatched like he so tiny has just these voluptuous hips and he's got shoulder pads shoulder oh. yes oh my gosh yes his proportions are beautiful beautiful uh, who is he no clue don't no idea he's not the elemist maybe he's chronicles maybe maybe he's cryak Maybe he's cr- maybe no, that is he's got, he's got one big eye. There's not enough eyes. There's either not enough eyes or too <laughs> or many too eyes many. on this man yeah, to be any character true. in this book. I also like on the inside cover, mm. um, he's got his head turned and he's going like, ooh. Like ooh. he's doing a little bit of like a like a ooh, who Instagram me? like ooh, who me? Lips parted. Yeah. And oh, we also have on the inside that. on the inside cover a beautiful um like force ghost situation with the yes. animorphs yes and acts like towering over them all <laughs> where they're all just kind of there and some of them are looking dead to camera but some of them i think tobias are just really giving the elements the side eye like, oh my gosh yeah fuck you do oh my gosh yeah Ooh, i'm unnerved i'm turning the page um <laughs> This book, okay, I, the first part of this book, because it's split into like three parts, I think, or maybe four, I don't remember, doesn't matter. Um, I was like, this is such a letdown, it is so boring, so much like stupid, like this was like a young hard sci-fi and I was not here for it at the beginning. I was into it the whole way through. You were, oh, see, I didn't, I did not care for this beginning. I didn't care about how the Ketrin grew up or the LMS grew up. Didn't care about that. But then when things started blowing up, I was like, oh no, you have my attention. (laughs) (laughs) This is very good now. Um, 
But unfortunately, it was like the first third of the book. I was like, please let something happen. <laughs> I'm so tired of his whining. I am shocked every time we read one of these chronicles because I think I know what we're going to get going in and then absolutely just not that at all. Absolutely like, different. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I remember with the Visser, Visser, which isn't mm-hmm. a chronicles, it's just Visser. And yeah. we were all like, oh, it's going to be Visser 3. But then it was 100% not. It was Visser 1. And I was like, oh my God, mind blowing. And it blowing. was so and, good. Yeah. And then like the Andalite chronicles and we thought that was going to be one thing. It was like something else in the hork chronicles and that was just fucking mind-blowing yes yeah that one really like opened up the lore for the series yes yeah this one I felt very much like I was like okay I know what we're gonna get going in it's going to be basically a recap of the series from the Mm -hmm. point of view of the Elemist it was not that it was was not not that even a little bit no we get like a brief mention yeah, in the I prologue don't, and epilogue. Yeah, we didn't even get to it until like the very end of the book, and it was like, and now, the rest of everything. I'm like, oh yeah. goddamn, goddamn, yeah. Elemist, what up? Yeah. So this is basically like the origin story of the Elemist, and I think this is part of why it annoyed me so much at the beginning was because like, if the MCU has taught us nothing, when you're this far mm-hmm. along in the story, we don't need another fucking origin story. What we want it's- is like to show how they impact the overall story, right? Yeah, Um, we're trying to wrap it up. Yes, yes. I was looking for Spider-Man Homecoming and not, Mm. you know, The Incredible Hulk, which is, you know, whatever. Um... So I was, I don't care about Teenage Elemist. I don't don't care about how he just doesn't apply himself and he just wants to play games all day. I felt like I liked it because I was kind of like, oh... I knew from a friend uh, who listens to the podcast, what's up, Chris, that he he had said, like, this was one of his favorite books in the series. Mm-hmm. And, like, by itself, it was, like, one of his favorites as a kid. So I kind of was like, okay, this is going to be something that could be more of a standalone almost. So mm-hmm. I was kind of reading it as that, like, where yeah. I was like, don't worry about the Animorphs. None of that matters, right? This is yes. just a book and read it as a book. And as a book, it was a good book. It, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you if you were just reading a sci-fi standalone um, or the first book in a series, fantastic start mm-hmm. to an Elmas story. Um, I love the implications. I love it. It has like kind of like Ender's Game feels yes. a little bit, but without the author's terrible views, um, which is always nice. I also thought it was gonna be ender's game like yes. i thought that was what was gonna happen me in this too book. i thought the games they were playing were like real life but no they were just games um, it was like the opposite of ender's game where ender's game is like you thought it was a game but it was actually real you were doing genocide this, sorry this, this book is like it's a game but other people thought it was real yeah <laughs> <laughs> whoops also oh. bad <laughs> This book went some places. Again, this is like K.A. Applegate having taken a break from the Animorph series, or like as much of a break as you get when you're just like kind of outlining things for for the mm-hmm. ghostwriters. Uh, taking a break from from writing a whole book and just coming out the gate swinging. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to push the middle grade genre to the limits. See what they'll let me get away with. Scholastic let her get away with a lot. <laughs> I thought this was fucked up. Scholastic was like, it's another Animorphs book. Green don't light. even. We don't Stamp even need approval. to read it. We don't need to read it. It's probably got alien toilets or little tiny men or I don't know. Something funny <laughs> what, like that. What fun jokes and japes will Applegate entertain the children with this time? I'm sure it'll be great. Send it on to the printer. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, the main character in this one watches his dead wife desiccate underwater for a century. Hmm. <laughs> 
the fuck? <laughs> we didn't oh, read man. this before it went to print. <laughs> the main character in this one isn't actually a person. It's an amalgamation of hundreds of dead people. Yeah. Huh, mm-hmm. Cool. What a cool, what a cool vibe. Yeah. Oh my god! One of the villains in this book is named Father. No, <laughs> don't like Do it. Do not want. Do not like it. Do not want. Oh my god! So yeah, there. <laughs> no punches pulled in this one. It is really just violent, but very entertaining. Very good. Um, I want more Elemist books. I want Elemist mm. Chronicles too. Uh, I feel like we say that after all of the like chronicles we're like yes more of this please yeah i think what it boils down to for both you and i is like we like the behind the scenes Mm. look at the at what's going on like we want we want the wider picture as opposed to like what are the teenagers concerned with you know i think Um, also these chronicle books are really just where it gets fucking weird yes yes you know that we're here for that (laughs) <laughs> I think, like, I would really struggle to say even that this is a middle grade or young adult book. Like, I thought this was a very adult book with adult themes at times. It just kind of tied into this middle grade series. Um, <laughs> I think I, if I had read this as a child, I would have, I would have been all kinds of messed up by it, like nightmares. <laughs> personally, um, Every child, though, handles things differently. And if you have conversations with your kids about what they read, then that should be fine. But, like, I don't want to censor anybody from reading what they want to read. This just did not feel like middle grade or young adult to me. I think that if you were a middle grade Animorphs fan and you had stuck with it, like, I feel like that's the thing with the Chronicles, right? Like, we've talked about it. It's for the fans, right? It's for the real morphers out there, (laughs) you know? Yeah, that's why it's not in the main series. Yes, I feel like if you read one Animorphs book, you might be like, huh, that thing was a little fucked up, but okay. If you're reading the series, the whole series is fucked, right? Like, in the best possible way. But I think that that kind of prepares any kids who were reading this. Like, I think they are coming to it with an expectation of, like, shit is going to get weird and uh, probably creepy and also Mm -hmm. probably existential crisis-y. You yeah, know? just a little, just a little. Well, I guess let's get into it. Uh, let's, let's talk about it. this big, chunky Elmas Chronicles book. There's a lot going on here. Um, So the book opens up with a prologue. You know, I normally hate a prologue, but this one was like a paragraph, so it's fine. Um, And the book opens with the sentence, the human child called to me. The human child was dying and nothing I could do within the rules of the game would change that fact. Who's dying? Is this well, one of our next, Animorphs is dying? I mean, the next sentence tells us the human child, one of those who called themselves Animorphs, asked me to explain. But do we so, think yes. it's one of our Animorphs or is it an yes. auxiliary Animorphs? Yes, it's like, one of our Animorphs. Is this don't, maybe James laying on the ground? Don't give me this shit, Anna. One of the six is going down and you know it. At the end of <gasps> the book, he it. says one of the six. <sighs> they're going down. I don't know if they're going to stay down. They they might have, there might be some bullshit to pop them back up, you know. We might get that cure wounds in there at the last second, but somebody's dropping a zero HP. I Final book. Oh, I'm just dying to know. Okay, because because they're very vague, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, if we look at the questions, so the child asks questions of the elemist. Who are you? Who are you to play games with us? You appear, you disappear, you play with us, you use us. Who are you? What are you? I deserve an answer. 
Um, I'm going to go on a limb and say maybe not Rachel. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like Rachel's Rachel vibe. would be like, I'm going to kill you. Get closer. <laughs> so Rachel I can would kill be you. like, come here. I'll punch you. That will save me. <laughs> I'm um, getting big Cassie Jake Tobias vibes. Mm. I feel like those are the three primary possibilities here. I was thinking Margo. Really? Marco, I don't know if he'll die, but it sounds like a lot of Marco questions to me of like this like tactician that he's supposed mm. to be. Like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll discuss more with series theories, I feel like. Yes. That's yes. gonna be the main one. Ooh, I cannot wait to read the last book after this. I oh really truly can't. Um as you guys know, the last the last episode that we recorded, um, we recorded this one at the same time. So I have not yet at this point in time of recording read the final book yet. But by the time you listen to this, <laughs> I think we will probably have recorded that episode. So maybe I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I have to we haven't planned out our schedule that far. We haven't. Advance. No, 2022 is like total open. Yeah, because <laughs> we've got know. Again, like peek behind the curtain here. This is being recorded before Christmas to give you yeah. kind of an idea. Um, the holidays because are the holidays, like stuff's getting weird and whatever. Yeah. So we had to, you know, move some stuff around. So, yeah, we are legitimately recording this one very far in advance from A, when it's being released, and B, I think, when we're going to record the next Animorphs, mm-hmm. uh, the final episode. So I am pretty sure we're going to have like a month downtime before we get to read the fucking thing. <laughs> oh, torture you truly um so then we get part one called first life um this is the elemist um as he was as a teenager essentially he was one of a race or species called the ketron um who were like a flying um almost bird-like species of alien that lived they they lived on a plant well no they didn't live on a plant they lived on crystals that like floated around the planet planet because Mm -hmm. they all hooked onto the crystals and flapped their wings yes and and that caused them them to lift so it's like a communal like organization so it's like they again i love getting into like weird alien this is really out there yeah yes like uh uh, what's anthropology except not anthropology because anthro is man but anyway um alienpology alienpology right xenopology (laughs) that might actually be it (laughs) xenology maybe yeah maybe (laughs) but like this idea of like okay so they all flap their wings to keep the crystal in the air so a that limits how much free time they have Mm -hmm. because they have to like be attached and flapping and making the crystal fly and that becomes like a political thing with like these different uh uh, factions where some of them are like oh well if we invest in this technology then we'll have more free time right free flight time um but in addition it also has made them like a very uh, uh cohesive society because of course if you value each person in this way because of what they can contribute then it's like oh there's less uh hierarchy right Mm -hmm. because and it's just like capitalism where people aren't viewed as individuals who are worthwhile to the society right and then you end up with this like super hierarchy um versus this where what i'm saying is that we should all take to the sky we should all grow wings find a crystal flap find a crystal flap 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 flap, and that will solve all of our problems (laughs) i also i like this too because there so there's a bunch of different crystals that are all Mm -hmm. floating around this planet 
Um, and the crystals can't talk to each other until they like come into orbit near each other and then they mm-hmm. can like visit back and forth and share what's going on on each of the crystals. So you have like all of these basically different versions of this society doing different things. And as we see like later in the book, this one, like the polar crystal. So, so the Elemist who's give, who's his given name is Azure Level 7 Spar, extension 2, down messenger 41. He chose the name Tumen for himself and his game name, his online handle, is Elemist. Honestly, um, that was the biggest reveal in this book was that Elemist was his fucking screen name this was whole time. His fucking AOL <laughs> chat room name. <laughs> <laughs> and it was probably like XX3LL1M1STXX. Um, <laughs> yes, his game name is Elemist. Um, he, like, they live on an equatorial crystal and the kind of big event at the beginning of this book is that the equatorial crystal comes within orbit orbit this i don't know they get close to the polar one of the polar crystals and they find out that on the polar crystal they've actually they've actually adopted democracy um and they as democracy chose to create a new shape of crystal that would make it easier to lift so that as em said people would have more downtime and they are also um, researching a way to get past all the radiation in their atmosphere so that they can send messages from crystal to crystal, um, which proves to be a very big problem for everybody later on. <laughs> um, but Elemist, Tumen, whatever you want to call him, he plays this game, as do many of the Ketrans. They play this game where they take controls of different species it's like if you played the game spore i was Uh, just gonna say that (laughs) but the only you only competitive spore yeah it's competitive spore where you only make the slightest adjustments to like the environment or like one small change to the species and then compete against another species to see who will become the dominant one um, so like the example that we're given at the beginning of the story is he's playing against his friend and the Elemist decides to like part the clouds so that his species can see the sky and decide that like, oh, like we want to go up there and I don't know, become more advanced that way. But then his opponent was like, oh yeah, I simply made it so that they would breed a lot faster, which made them really like aggressive and aggressive. Yeah. And then they just came and beat up your species. So like I won the game. <laughs> Um, Which is like Elemist's whole vibe is that he's the biggest loser at this game. Yes. And this becomes important. They call him the brilliant loser um, because his whole game style is he wants to win with kindness. And and, uh, the others all think he's very naive for this. But there is one, his upstairs neighbor, who I think is like literally someone who just sits on top of him on this crystal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're very close. Uh, kind of recognizes that like okay you have a different way of thinking from most of the other Ketrans so um, they Tumen the Elemist has an opportunity to apply for a position on this new like deep space probe that they have built which is very advanced Um, and he doesn't it's like a one in 500 chance that he's going to be able to go on this deep space probe but his upstairs neighbor who's given or whose chosen name is Lakava which is supposed to be a joke of some sort. I didn't get, but <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> a lack of a punchline. <laughs> uh, <laughs> got him, Bazinga. Um, lack of a sponsored 
the LMS to go on this um, expedition into deep space because he's like, I think we need someone who has your way of thinking to come with us because we have, we already have a bunch of people that all think one way and we need someone who thinks outside the box. So very cool. Ends up being a good idea long-term. But what he actually says is we already have scientists and engineers. What we need is a loser. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you. And almost that's you, buddy. like, uh, thank you. I think, um, so he gets chosen for that and he's really excited and also chosen as one of the the rare gamer girls in his group Aguella which I think that's is that her gamer name or her chosen name I don't remember um I think Aguella's her gamer name um because her real name is something I'm about to try to find Doofnall Doffnall yeah 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 Doffnall who goes by Aguella which thankfully she does because I don't like Doffnall um, so Dofnal, Aguella, Aguella and Elemis go, um, they each have like a window of time where they can go and see this other crystal as it's floating really close nearby. Um, and because they are younger, they get to go earlier in this window of time when the flight is longer between the two crystals. And they go and they meet up with these other two young guys, one whose name is like Oxagast and the other is Menno. Um, who Which I is a great gonna, name. Yeah. I thought Mena was going to end up being Cryak, but wasn't. Oh, I had that theory, too. I also thought Lakava might have been Cryak for oh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, but no, neither of them were. There was even a moment where I was like, maybe Aguela is. But then I was like, no, that makes literally no sense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Cryak is a completely different being. It's <laughs> looking for Cryak in all the wrong places. <laughs> looking for Cryak in all the wrong places. Um <laughs> So they go and they meet with these other two and Menno is kind of like, yeah, we need to advance civilization. And actually I have a new way of playing the game. Whereas like, I like to intrude on these species and make my presence felt. I really like to like everyone else likes to have like really subtle hand when they play this game. But I like to go in and like directly have an impact on what is going on with the species that I've chosen to play as and blah, blah, blah. And his whole big thing is intrude, intrude is what he says all the time. Um, We also are going to get confirmation that, like, yeah, they are. They have made headway on this like communication system. And, um, yeah, then they peace out and they go back to, they go back to their, their crystal and you're like, oh, okay. That was kind of a weird thing, but it has consequences. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) We're weaving a tapestry here. Yes. Yes. Um, Elemis kind of learns the ins and outs of what it's like to be on this deep space probe. And, um, also we have this like weird moment where Aguela, the the Ketrans let off something like mems, which I guess are different scents or different pheromones or something. Um, and one of them is a horny one. And Aguella tries to put her horny scent into uh, the Elemis to make him horny, and he's like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't want this. I don't because Aguella, you're too good for me. Um, why is she, why is she wanting to get with me? This is weird. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I'm just, a, I'm just a little boy who doesn't understand the ways of the world yet." Um, well, it becomes clear to um, the Elemist why Aguella wanted to do that. She was just thinking ahead. But um, they're working on the um, they're working on the deep space probe one day. It's like docked, and all of a sudden there's like this explosion, and Aguella gets knocked around real bad and almost dies. And Elemist is like, "Oh, I love her." Oh, okay, he realized. Um, but 
the um the explosion was caused by another race of aliens called the Caspians, Capsians, Caspians, Caspians. That's not right. It's one <laughs> of those three. Certainly things. not it. <laughs> Why can't I find it in the text? They said it a hundred times. The cap, the Capasians, Capasians. Sure, yeah. Let's go with it. We're making a stance now. Yes. Um. These guys have come and blown up all the crystals, um, because. That polar crystal who was sending out transmissions, but none of the other crystals were equipped to accept the transmission. So they just had to send these transmissions out into space. Um, and the transmissions they chose to send were footage of the games that they were playing. And the Capucins picked up this footage and they were like, oh my gosh, this alien race is just committing genocide over and over and over again for fun. So we have to go and kill them. Filming it. (laughs) Filming it and then transmitting it out into space for everyone to also watch. Like, we don't want any part of this. That's horrible. Um, The Capucins come, blow up all the crystals. Um, The the crew of this deep space probe are saved because they are able to like eject from the crystal before it drops down to the ground, which I think the ground is like mostly volcanoes. Uh, the floor is the lava, but yeah, literally. So, um, the Elemist is able to like, when, when one of these little Capucin ships comes close, the Elemist kind of like fashions the spear and ends up like piercing both the ship and the alien inside of it, which is a very big deal because the Ketrans are a completely like pacifist race. They haven't, they, they don't kill. They have no need to. Like they have hardly, like hardly anybody knows that they exist except for this alien race called the Generationals, which we never really get any more information about them other than that they're called the generationals so yeah they've they've never killed before and this kind of like marks elemist as different they call him killer one other species also that was mentioned as they traded with but i can't remember what it is yeah yeah like these guys because they live on the crystals and no one thinks to look at the crystals they're all looking Mm. at the ground or the planet because most alien races in space apparently are surface dwellers um so they land briefly on the polar crystal that was sending off the transmissions to learn that information. Um, and they pick up a couple other people, but then that crystal explodes too. And so basically the only people left of the Ketrin race in its entirety are like the 70 some people on the ship. And they go out into space and they're like, well, guess we have to find a new home now. So we get to part two of the book. I think that's everything in part one, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Sounds about right. Yeah, so we we get to the second part, which is Second Life. Um, I think 60 years have passed, and the Elemist is now the commander of this ship. He, I didn't mention too much in the, in the previous part. Like, he's kind of started taking control of things because he's like, this is like a game. And I suddenly understand the rules of how of how war works because i've seen like you have to adapt in the game or else you're gonna die we have to we have to play to their rules this is their game so he he in the 60 years since has become the commander of this ship of the ketrans um and they they are just going from planet to planet looking for somewhere livable they haven't found anywhere that matches their planet exactly, which I'm kind of like on Menno's side. Menno is here. He's the second in command. He he and Elmist kind of hate each other, but um, this was kind of their their compromise because one group is from the the like not dictatorship, but 
I don't know, like a theocracy sort of situation. And then the other group is from the democracy. So this was like to have someone from the democratic government as the second in command, I guess, with some sort of compromise. But they hate each other. Mena was like, why don't we just like adapt to a planet that looks nice instead of trying to find this perfect planet with crystals? Like that's that's not going to exist anymore. And like, I know we love our wings, but we have the technology to like, create like alter the dna of the next generation to be better adapted to um a planet that doesn't have crystals and i'm kind of on team menno here yeah and i mean i think we're supposed to be and i think also like uh there's the point uh that menno brings up of like we don't have kids anymore because kind of just everybody has decided we're not gonna have kids until we find this perfect planet and it's like okay so yeah, I mean, Menno is basically being like, hey, stagnation is bad and is not good yes, for the species. we're all getting old. <laughs> we need to have We're kids. all getting we old. Find a home. And you can't cling on to, like, the perfect thing that only existed in the past and refuse to focus on the future, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't matter for very long. Because <laughs> they all get they- to all die um so they're they're searching for planets and Aguela's like hey i'm getting this weird reading off of this all water planet and Menno was like we're not going to be able to live on an all water planet so what is the point in going down there and elemis kind of like he kind of pulls rank and he's like i'm the commander and i think we should go investigate this thing that by the way my girlfriend they're like in a relationship committed relationship to each other now at this point uh, I want to go with her and see what's on this planet. Menno, you're in command. I'm going to take me, Lakava, um, this engineering girl, and Aguela. Jicklet, which Jicklet. sounds like a slur. I know it isn't, but it sounds like it should be it a could, slur. It could be. It has the potential. Something. Right? <laughs> so many hard consonants in that yeah, one. I don't like it. Um, so they go down to the planet, and they, and they, they are greeted by, like, this massive organism that takes up the entire moon it's a moon not a planet sorry it takes up the entire moon and elemis is like nothing could be that big i don't believe it but then this thing it has like tentacles and it basically crushes this ship destroys it um the um the big the deep space probe comes down to the surface to try and rescue them um and it grabs that and crushes and kills it kills everybody on that too um and leaves the elemist alive so this is an organism called father it's um, and basically what he does is he takes his tentacles and he pierces dead things with his tentacles and downloads all their memories and he can then make simulations including these memories that are like like a like vr or like really like Mm. vivid dream like these are these are lifetimes that he can live in situations he can live in he decides to keep the elemist alive because he needs company and i don't know if he like senses something within the elemist that's like this guy could be fun to kind of back and forth with i don't know um but essentially the elemist lives lifetimes with this guy uh creating situations for him um he creates games yeah he creates these weird games where the rules aren't always clear but there is like a there is a distinct winner and loser to each game um i can't remember any of the early examples before i think it was just kind of listed as like oh puzzle games war games blah 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 blah. like i don't think they went in depth with any of the examples yeah um and 
sometimes like sometimes father will get mad at the elemist and will just leave the elemist alive underwater to look at all of the dead ketrins that are floating around him because while you're like attached to father you don't age you don't need food anymore you don't need to breathe you're just kind of kept alive by the good graces of father mm. 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 so one day father gets his hands on a scritna ship that holds a captive um from another race that we've heard of before but it's only been mentioned briefly um it starts with a u unit the unit unamites unamites Unamites. yeah so he has like a unamite um alien who i I think we've heard about briefly just because the scritna kind of go around kidnapping them i think that's their whole jam i don't understand it but um (laughs) the unamites are special because they're apparently the only alien race that father has gotten his hands on that have music so father downloads music father becomes limewire yeah He torrents every song from <laughs> Una, from the Unamite civilization, um, and he pits himself against the Elemist in, in this a battle of the bands. Yes, yeah. So Father's like, "Watch this," and he does like this sick solo on an instrument. I think is like the melodica, you know, that like piano with like a with like a recorder and then blow into. Yeah, I think they're playing melodicas. It's from the description. And the first time that the Elemist plays, he's terrible. And Father's like, "Ha ha! I win. You suck." And none of the Unamites that he's created in the simulation cheer for the Elemist. It's very sad. But the Elemist had never heard music before. But something about this, like, really resonates with him. Like, he's like, through the music, I could, like, retain all my memories of everybody. I could play for them and about them. And, like, just he felt so much, like, love and sadness and emotion through music. And it was something so new and foreign to him. And so father, he basically secretly improved at music, but not enough. He didn't show father enough of an improvement for father to get tired of winning this game. He starts by rare rabbiting him where he goes, yes. Oh, please don't make me do more music competitions. It's the I worst. hate it. I'll never win. <laughs> Wink. And then he practices in secret. Um, until like, I don't know, the hundredth game and father gets all cocky and he goes out and he does his little routine. And then Elemis is like, watch this bitch. And he plays like the sickest, saddest song. Anyone's he plays ever Stairway heard, to Heaven. also uplifting. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That or probably like Hotel California would be a good one for him <laughs> to learn too. Um, <laughs> he plays Wonderwall. <laughs> Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <gasps> oh, <laughs> then maybe. <laughs> and Father's like, oh my God, this song's going to be stuck in my head forever. Um, this is the first time the Elmist wins a game, and Father's like pissed about it. Um, and they keep trying to play games, and Father keeps losing because music has created something within the Elmist, has enabled him to like improvise and to think in a different way. Um, and so now the Elemis like never loses any of the games that father, um, designs. 
father gets all pouty and he kind of disappears for a while like his consciousness kind of like leaves and goes to wherever this massive father is i don't i i don't know it was unclear and also i didn't want to delve into it enough or reread it enough to like really (laughs) figure out what father (laughs) was because it was gross um and while he is not paying attention to elmis elmis kind of like he realizes that he can become what father is and he can also take the data from all of these corpses and download them into his brain. As long as he's connected to father, he can download these consciousnesses yes. because they're both connected. Yeah, it only took him 100 years to realize. Yeah, you know. I mean, Whatever. he was he's having a a, some some troubles of his own. He needed to time. master the melodica before he could learn how to download. <laughs> Who um, hasn't been there? <laughs> So he starts by, like, asking Aguela permission. So there's, like, this weird thing where he can reach out to Aguela, but it's like a it's like a simulation of her, right? It's not like he's actually having a conversation with Aguela. He's having, like, a conversation he think he could have with her. He activate like, he tells her that when she's attached to father, it activates the neurons and, like, neural pathways that mm. would have fired in life. So it is, like... Her brain is okay. doing things, but he's also like, but you are dead and aren't yeah. real. And you can only exist in the way of like, basically how you like, it, it's stagnation, right? It's like, yeah. you can't create new neural pathways. You're dead. Yes. Oh, so I th- I, yeah. I see that. And he says, this is only the shadow of you, the biological brain, neuron switched on, a biological computer, nothing more. Right. Well, yeah. It's fucked up. I don't. Yeah damn so (laughs) he's like may i download you and she's like yeah i guess so he downloads her and then he begins to download the other ketrins and then he begins to download the other alien minds until he's suddenly like half a father um and then because he says something like father doesn't notice because father has never had like an enemy basically so he can't tell when something is like wrong because Mm -hmm. that he's never experienced that before so Mm -hmm. it takes him like forever to catch on to the fact that like the elmist is doing shit because (laughs) he's just like huh my neurons are being fucked with in a weird way i don't know what that is empty but i don't know why and then he he does finally like complete his task and he eventually absorbs father this was the worst part the last mind I absorbed was father himself, and when I took him, I took nothing. There was no father, no mind at all. He was nothing but a sponge in the end, a creature of the simplest biology, an accident of evolution, a predator sponge that linked with its prey. Father was nothing but his victims. That's okay. <laughs> um, also terrible is like the fact that when, when he finished downloading father, and when father no longer existed, essentially... Um, all that was keeping Ketra, or all that was keeping the Elemist alive suddenly stopped. So now, so now the Elemist finds himself like underwater, unable to breathe. So he's got to like scramble to the surface, but there's nothing really on the surface either. So he's like struggling to swim slash fly to land, um, which he suddenly knows where there is a little island because he has father's memories. And it's the island where, um, the island of misfit ships. Yes, the island of misfit ships, where 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 father was storing all of these ships that he had taken um, people from, and most of these ships are destroyed, but the the deep space probe is is enough um, that he that it can that it can take off. But instead of like immediately leaving this moon, he 
like takes every every knowledge, all the knowledge in his brain that he's downloaded plus all the ships and everything here and he creates like this living ship that he is attached to him is like he is ship ship is him Mm -hmm. i don't is yeah um and he builds it around himself and it's very advanced and um as soon as he does that he goes he goes up into orbit and he fires all the weapons on this moon and destroys this moon um and then fucks off and he's never to return (laughs) a lot for kids for yes i know what i'm saying like is this not like an adult book like (laughs) fun for the whole family oh my god um so now elmist is like what the fuck am i gonna do now like there's never gonna be any more ketrans um i can't i can't live among normal aliens because i am a million aliens I am I am multitudes essentially. I am ship. I am ship. Also, I can't come out of this <laughs> ship. What am I gonna do? Um, he's flying around in space, and he comes across this war that's being held between two different planets: the Jallians and the something slug people. I don't know. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, the Elmus gets in between this war, and he's like, "This war is over now." No more fighting. And he's he has this epiphany of, like, I'm going to be a peacekeeper of the universe. Um, So what he does to end, he's like, this is just like the game again. He has to make one small, subtle change in order to bring peace to these people. So what he decides to do is he pushes a bunch of asteroids in between the two planets um, and then blows them all up. So unless they have more advanced spacecraft than they currently do... Um, they're basically at a stalemate and he's like, haha, my job here is done. And he fucks off and he flies around space going from civilization to civilization, ending wars, bringing them peace, solving their problems, hanging out and having a cool chill time. Yeah. Yeah. Basically playing God, um, through the entire universe. And then one day he comes across Cryak. Um, Cryak is a a planet. As it says, as much machine as bio- biological, but his biology was entirely different. He was evolved for the surface, or perhaps even for subterranean life. No wings would ever lift those massive muscled limbs, and no creature with the single that single dominating red eye could ever navigate easily in three dimensions. So he's like, he is the planet, or his ship is a planet. I thought his ship he's was the it? planet, and he. I felt like it was similar to the Elemis. He's just like built like, into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where there is like a part that can come out and talk and stuff, mm-hmm. but it is also a big, big ship. But also, like, I felt like we need the Cryak Chronicles now of like how did Cryak get to this position? Because I feel like it's got to be something similar to the Elemis, oh, right? The where Cryak it was like Chronicles. I know, right? Where it was like he was some other species and then some sort of galactic fuckery happened and now he's this, you know, eternal power that cannot be killed by normal means and also might be part ship and might just have a big old red eye and might be a planet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, a lot of questions. A lot of questions and a lot of answers on Cryak, which maybe that makes a good villain. I don't know. So, Elemis meets Cryak basically at the site of the first peacekeeping mission that the Elemis gave himself. Um, and he goes down to look at his handiwork to see how both of these civilizations have um, gotten on. But basically, 
the one of them, the planet is completely sterile and there's like no life or anything on their planet. And the other one, like they are alive, but I think like very primitively. Uh, and he's like, the fuck happened? And he's like, well, when you put the cracks is when you put the when you put the asteroid belt there, the the slug people put nuclear mines in 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 to orbit. And a lot of them landed on the other planet and destroyed it. So your plan was bad. And Elmas is like, oh, my God, are all lose everything I did bad. And Crack says, no, a lot of the stuff that you did actually worked. Um and that made me mad because then I had to go in and undo your work and kill them all. And Elmas is like, whoa, 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 Not cool. What? Buddy, hold on. What? And Crack's like, yeah, I kill everybody. I want to sterilize the entire universe. So that's kind of my thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why? You love life? That's your. Okay. That's different. That's different. That's fine. And here's the problem with this is this setup is basically turning these two characters into, you know, basically the forces of life and death. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. in a way, we've discussed, you know, Elemist is playing God, so he's kind of a life god. And mm-hmm. that makes Cryak. I'm a sorry, what? are you going to turn this into a Hades Persephone thing? Because <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm right there saying, with you. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think Cryak is just a death god. And on this podcast, we are notoriously horny for death gods. And I don't know what to do with that information. <laughs> Elemist is Persephone in this situation. Cryak is Hades. They fall in love. It's fucked up. Um, Cryak challenges Elemist to a game. The game is now the same as the game he played um, when he was a kid, but it's real people now. And also added a layer of fucked upness to this is Cryak is, Elemist is like, I kind of need Cryak because he's the only one that's like me. Like, I kind of understand now why father kept me alive because like you need someone uh, to kind of like bounce off. You can't just be all by yourself in the universe like this um, with this much power. So, you know, he kind of needs crack, but crack is really good at killing. Um, and the Elemis can't really keep up. And they kind of do battle throughout the universes, but crack just keeps, keeps killing people. And one day the Elemis gets tired of it. And he's like, you know what? I just, I need to get away from this all. I need to live a simple life for a while. He goes into Z space as far as he can. The longest he's ever been in Z space. And when he pops out, he finds this little planet filled with a very primitive race of like blue horses with eye stalks that can't speak because they have no mouths and they eat through their hooves. The Elemist is like 3D prints a version of himself as an (laughs) Andalite. (laughs) Um, And he gives himself like he takes a whole year to build like the brain of this version of himself where he's kind of only puts the most what he thinks is the most. um, uh, What is the word I'm looking for? Not optimal, but like the most important, maybe. I don't know. I felt like there was a more impressive word than that. He puts like the most important memories and ideas and stuff into this brain out of every single brain that he has downloaded inside of him, stuffs that into the Andalite and sends the Andalite down to the planet and then just kind of like goes into sleep mode on his ship, (laughs) lives as an Andalite for like a whole life almost. Um, You know, they don't, they don't have a spoken language. They don't have thought speech yet at this point in their 
evolution. Um, and they're kind of just like the simple, like nomadic situation going on, like hunter gatherer, very, very, um, transcendence, I guess. Mm, yes, <laughs> very yes, yes. Clan in the cave bear situation. Um, he falls in love with another Andalite. They get married. They have a child. Um, the first child they have uh, sadly dies to a disease that attacks Andalite young. And um, the Elemist is like, this This is this sad. Sucks. It fucking sucks. This like, is no why, fun. <laughs> why, do you wanna, why would you ever want to be sad? And his wife says we should have another child. And he's like, no, like we are sad. Why would we take the chance of being sad again? Um, and she says, she gives him the very wise phrase, disease, take one monster, take one famine, take one more children. Some live. And this kind of gives the Elmas idea of how to change the game so that he can start beating Cryak. Cause it's all, that's always his thing. Like, right. Find the one little, um, find the one tactic that can change the game so in his he's favor. like all you life forms out there get to fucking <laughs> yes <laughs> for every race cryak exterminates i'm making two new ones <laughs> um this part we learn about our old friends the pemelites what up they are all one the of lore. the elements Elemis created the Pemelites in his in his uh most flattering image. <laughs> it all makes so much sense. Yes. Why he gave did them he a make mission? them look like dogs? That part's not so clear. <laughs> <laughs> it just it just looked like something nice. <laughs> something soft, something that could love. Um he created them um in his ship he made them very smart he made them very unaggressive and he gave them a mission to carry life everywhere and also keep it on the dl don't let kayak find you don't tell anyone you exist because that is a thing that we knew already right the howlers came and killed mm -hmm. the pemelites yeah and the howlers were created by kayak yeah so here we go it all comes full full circle circle. Mm -hmm. love it um also at this point the elemis starts like breaking himself up into separate ships so he has like his one main ship but then Mm -hmm. he can like i think he like doubles his consciousness i don't think i think he's just making like copies of himself you guys remember when we covered ancillary justice it's that it's that yes (laughs) oh my god yes he wrote ancillary justice it's an autobiography And this goes really well for the Elemis for a long time um, until Cryak sets up a trap for him. So Cryak pretends like, oh, I'm getting so tired and making a lot of mistakes. And he accidentally ends up sending the Elemis into a black hole. Um, the Elemis is able. So he his main ship and a bunch of his ships get sucked into this black hole, um, but he's able to prevent a lot of his other parts of himself. He has over 4,000 parts of himself. He he stops most of them from going through to the black hole, but they're kind of trapped. Like, they can't do much without the main body of the Elemist. And the Elemist is, like, in pain, but he's still conscious. Um, and he kind of feels himself becoming one with the fabric of the universe, which is, explains his his time shenanigans that he can do these days. Um, 
So basically, like, Crack thought he was killing the Elemus, but he just made him into God. <laughs> you just ripped him up into a million tiny little pieces, and because some of those pieces were in a black hole and some of them weren't, it just And made some him. of them were in Z space and some, and some of them, them were not. some of them were in Z space. So it was yeah. just like, because it was all in all of these places, it was just like, well, now it's everywhere. Yeah. Now you can't get rid of me. You can't get rid of me. Um, and then Cryak, like... He goes through and kind of like kills all of the parts of the Elemis that he can that he can find, and finally like kills off all of him, I guess. Um, and Elemis kind of watches what Crack's doing for a while, and he's like, "Okay, I've, once I make my move, once once Crack realizes I still exist, he's gonna follow me, and in, and in, into this black hole and become the same as me." I don't. The, the Elemis is like very certain that this one in like a trillion chance thing that happened to him will also happen to Cryak. Well, I think what he was saying is like it was very unlikely that this situation would happen in general. But once it becomes observable, like once Cryak's like, oh, this oh. is what happened, Cryak can replicate it. That right? makes more sense. Yes. The Elemis kind of keeps quiet watching Cryak destroy civilization after civilization. Um, but then Cryak goes after a planet that has just is teeming with life. And there are these giant like reptilian type things going on. And there's also these like weird ape like creatures that um, are on the planet. And Elemis knows that give them say 40 or 60 million years, then these apes are going to turn into a great population of people very vibrant, very thriving. And he's like, I can't let Cryak kill off this small blue planet. And that's when he makes himself like present. He he interferes and he's like, well, Cryak's going to be here soon. And in fact, he does. He shows up and Elmis is like, okay, well, you can't kill things anymore. Like we can't touch stuff as we are. Like we're just here observing kind of. Um, so hi, welcome to my black hole. <laughs> <laughs> um and so then they did they developed this new game um and presumably that game is the one that's involving earth and the yerks and the andalites at the moment but we still don't know what the rules are we don't know what the rules are or what the goal just that there is. have to be rules and the winner it would take millions of years and this is the final game between the elemist and cryak so Nothing we needed answered was actually answered in this book, but we did find out where the Pemelites came from. So, whew, that's a relief. So glad. <laughs> um, and then we get the epilogue. And again, Elmas talking to unknown Animorph. Um, and the Animorph kind of confirming, like, okay, so we're all just game pieces. And, like, what the heck? And, and... <laughs> Elemis kind of gives this bullshit answer. Like, no, you were a happy accident. <laughs> uh, but yes, I did use you once you were in play. And then the and then this Animorph says, um, hey, answer me this. Did I make a difference? Was my life worth it and my death? Do I matter? And the Elemis is like, yeah, you did. You did matter. You are brave. You are strong. And then the Animorph just says, okay, then. And that's the end of the book. Dang. A small strand of space time went dark and coiled into nothingness. They die. Seems like they die. Seems like they fucking die. They're probably going to die. One of the animals is going to die. Okay, who is it? Serious theories. Who is it? Who dies? Who lives? Who dies? Who tells their story? Okay, okay. I already said, I don't think it is Rachel. 
based yeah, on I think this would be very different this out, of, out, of, out of character for Rachel but also based on the stuff I said last episode about like I think that them teasing that Rachel's gonna die in the last book means that Rachel's not gonna die in the last book okay, okay. um strong Cassie's a strong contender for me she has she has a plan that gives yeah she's already planned her future out so that's kind of signing her death yes line, and you know? also like she just got a proposal so that's like signing a death certificate yes. right there and she says um, you have to wait a year oof Oof. But also, that would also apply to Jake in terms of the proposals. So I feel like that's maybe it. I definitely, it's obviously not Axe because they say it's a dying human. So it can't be Axe. Axe is safe, um, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Um, Marco would make sense, not make sense, but I feel like, oh, you know, kill the only one who isn't in a relationship. That's shitty, but happens a lot in mm-hmm. literature. The only reason I think Marco is because, like, well, one, he got, like, his parents back together, which was his only thing mm-hmm. that he had. And two, like, the kinds of questions he's asking are, like, something that Marco would think about as opposed to, like, Rachel. I mean, I think my leading, like, ranking in order, I think it's Jake, Cassie, Tobias is my top three, mm-hmm. I Jake, think. yeah. I feel like Jake is the obvious choice because of, like, Again, oh, the questions of what will you do after right the questions and he just proposed to cassie Mm -hmm. he has become kind of this like dark character who maybe goes too far i think that you know he's always been sort of the linchpin in this cryak elemist game but then also like cassie and rachel both kind of are i don't know there's so many ways all bad choices go if tobias dies i swear to god i riot i just feel like there's the end of it is a very tobias vibe right (sighs) Uh, the happy accident stuff, the unwitting contribution from the human race to its own survival. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. And oh. then just the, the... We do know that Elemis kind of dotes on Tobias, too. Like, he mm-hmm. gave him his morphing powers back. And the fact that Tobias asks... Or, I'm saying it's Tobias. But the fact that this Animorph asks, was I worth it? I feel like that's such a Tobias question. That is true, right? too. Because he does question, like... He had a hard upbringing, man. Mm-hmm bullied quite a bit it could be any of them except for axe is pretty much what i'm saying not axe not rachel not axe almost certainly not rachel um god what if it's rachel i will scream i will i don't want any of them to die at this point like i finally started liking jake i know but i feel like that's that's the cruel the cruelness of this series is jake is gonna be ripped away i also do kind of feel like there's going to be a sacrifice. Somebody's going to die. And then maybe we're going to get a final, like the Elemis shows up and it's like, you know, oh, well, you guys have been such good boys and girls here. I'll bring your friend back to life. Sort of bullshit. Like, yeah, because I always kind of thought that was going to happen, but it was going to be Elfangor that was brought back. But I yeah, don't I feel like that's real, the case anymore. I think he's real, real dead. I, I don't know. I don't know if this. It seems very much at this point like K.A. Applegate is committed to killing a child. But I don't know if she's going to see it through all the way. <laughs> I can't. I'll tell you what, though. As soon as I hit stop on this recording, you I'm gonna, I'll let you know. I'll you let you monster. know who dies. <laughs> 3 a.m. I'll send you a text who it was. You evil monster. No, I wouldn't do that because... You know, I just started reading Lore Olympus. <laughs> so I have other plans tonight. <laughs> uh, I'm going to try my hardest not to read this last book until close to recording time. But I don't know. 
if my resolve can take it, I feel like I'm going to crack. Yeah. I know. It's so... <laughs> mm. Mm. Imagine having to wait because the book wasn't even published. Terrible. We're so lucky. We're so lucky. We are blessed. Imagine, especially because this, the Elemis Chronicles, we read it in kind of the like preferred reading order that people suggest now, but it was not published. It was published way earlier. Several months before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, if you read the Elemis Chronicles and knew that an Animorph was going to die, and then you were reading all these last books and like trying to figure out which one it was going to be, ugh, terrible. Absolute nightmare. So there's no morph in this book. Nah. So skip that one. Morbid <laughs> moment? Um, I'm going to say the moment when uh, Tumen wakes up ha- after having been um, added to Father's collection. Mm-hmm. And he is talking to all of the various dead. I fucking hated that. Oh, my God. Uh, especially when Menno was like, hey, I had to come down to save you because... I would not have been, like... No one would have respected me if I didn't. Yeah, like, no... It's like no revolution goes well, but starts well with an assassination or something like that. Yes. Um, this rela- the relationship between Menno and Tumen was so good in general, of just, I like, know. being Menno at odds. Menno died too soon. Menno died too soon. But that whole scene of just him viewing these various... And some of them were, like, the dead that had been incorporated into father and some of them were like his memories and people who had died back home but just like all of that i was like wow this is rough stuff fam yes oh how about you i also i just this whole part with father also it was like really fucked up um especially the parts where like the elemis would like be be in a simulation and know Mm -hmm. he was in a simulation just like kind of go along with it but then noting that like yeah, parts of this are, like, not really well fleshed out. Like, me and Aguela in one of our simulations had kids, and I didn't know a lot about kids. Um, so, like, sometimes they'd be there, and, like, if I didn't think about them, then they'd just disappear for days. And then if I remembered them, they'd be there, but they were kind of, like, vague, blurry shapes of things. I'm like, that's it's weird. Oh, ugh. I don't know. The whole, the whole father thing is just the worst, the worst creation of this series. Naming a villain. After a parent yeah. figure. Always bad news. The most formal version of that parent mm-hmm, figure's mm-hmm. title. Yes. <laughs> I think the only thing that could have been worse was if the creature was called Daddy. <laughs> Daddy has us now. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the tentacles of Daddy. Daddy. Daddy provides. Love Daddy. <laughs> God. <laughs> Well, on that note, let's talk about what's coming up. Yes, please. Let's. Last Animorphs. Yep, yep. Uh, So next week, this is going to be very vague because I don't know what Anna's next unit is. And Mm -hmm. I do. I don't want to say it yet, though. Yeah. So um, you guys will know by now. You guys should know. It will have been on last week's episode, but we're just recording this really far in advance. So So I can't tell you. I'm sorry. Tweet specifically at M. Tweet specifically at M what the unit is going to be once you hear this. (laughs) Thank you all. Um, And then the week after that, January 24th, if all has gone according to plan, (laughs) we are reading the final (gasps) Animorphs book. Oh, my gosh. The beginning. Animorphs number 24. Oh, my gosh. Shivers. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to be so good, I hope. We'll be done with the Animorphs. Wow. And then, guys, we have plans. We got plans for y'all. Don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) Uh, We won't leave you hanging. (laughs)
there will be there will be more middle grade series to talk about. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, I don't know, man. Just tweet at us. You can talk to us about anything, almost really. Uh, if you tweeted us at shelfawarecast or email us shelfawarecast at gmail.com, you can send us book suggestions to discuss on the podcast, whole unit suggestions, share us your animorphs thoughts, whatever, what have you, as long as it's book or podcast related. I don't want to get too personal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. It's your last chance to be subscribed to our podcast before we are done reading the Animorphs. Mm. And don't you want to be one of those people that is like, yeah, I've been with them since Animorphs. Yeah. 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 I do. You do. You do. <laughs> if you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. In the words of K.A. Applegate, Father has us. Father has gathered us here. Made us into his toys. <laughs> no. There was nothing funny in this book. <laughs> it's just all creepy. It's all creepy fucked up shit. waits until I'm, who was it that he saves that he goes in to save uh it's a great question um it's trying to read ahead not i feel like it's a species that we know of that's all i was trying to yeah oh it's earth oh my fucking god okay <laughs> it's so us. it was us the whole time <laughs> so